You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke 15. If you have it, if you don't, don't worry about it. If it's not on your phone, don't worry about it. You can look up at the screen, and you might even know these parables. You might have heard them at some point in your life. These are called the lost parables, the lost parables. And I love this because this is important. And they're lost for two reasons, because they deal with three things. Jesus told three consecutive parables about three different lost things and, and a descending order, okay? It's, and we're going to talk about the significance of that. But more importantly, these parables are lost because sometimes the church has forgotten the value of God's heart for the lost, so today, no matter where you are, if you feel like you're far from God or if you have been in the church and you're like, yeah, I'm, me and God, we're, we're good, right? You're going to be challenged today because Jesus told the story or, or parable of three things. He told the, the parable of the sheep, the parable of the lost coin, is a little bit more than 25 cents, and the parable of the lost son. Three parables he told, and all of them have this overriding huge principle, and it's this, is that God loves lost things. He goes after lost things. They matter to him. And so we're going to talk about this. This actually starts off in a bit of a controversy. And I love this about Jesus. Look, and if you don't, if you don't love just how amazing and confrontational Jesus is, you need to read the Bible because he really was. And Luke 15, 1, this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus got accused of eating with people that didn't fit into the typical norm of what the religious culture of the day looked like. But here's something very important that you have to understand about Jesus and why Jesus loves sinners. Now, listen, understand this. When I use the term sinner, I'm not delineating between uh, me and somebody else or if you've walked with Jesus for a long time, you and somebody else. Hey, friends, we're all sinners. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes our bottoms have been in a pew too long and we forget that we were lost too. And it is only by the grace of Jesus that we've been saved. And this is what Jesus says about himself. This is an interaction that Jesus has with the guy named Zacchaeus who was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the... Oh, okay, somebody was tracking with me. All right. This is that story that you heard way back in the day. In Luke 19, I want to just give you a little bit of Jesus' heart, if I can. It says this in Luke 19, 7. And all the people saw and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What happened was this. Is Jesus recognizes Zacchaeus up in a tree looking at him. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Let's go eat. I'm paraphrasing. And all around, everybody looked at Jesus and said, who is this guy? What is he doing? He's going to go have dinner with the sinner. But this is Jesus' response in Luke 19.10. He says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. My hope and my prayer this morning as we go through these three parables, these familiar parables, 
is that we all gain a deep, deep insight, a personal touch, if you would, of understanding of the depth of the love that God has for us, no matter where we are, that he loves us, that he loves us. Let's talk about these parables really quick. They all have a unique and a progressive meaning, and they all reflect the measure of God's love for those who are far from him, his desire to bring them close to himself. I did a little bit of studying on sheep, and uh, sheep are interesting animals. They're not necessarily dumb, and they're not necessarily smart, and they're definitely not as pretty as this one right here. They're stinky. They kind of get matted. But they're reliant 100% upon the care of the shepherd. A sheep is reliant 100% upon the care of the shepherd. They're helpless. They're helpless if they don't have somebody to care and to defend for them. But something interesting about sheep is this, is that they're hardwired. They're hardwired to stay together. Because what's interesting about the parable of the lost sheep is that Jesus says this, is that there were a hundred sheep. And then one left. I'm not a math teacher, but I'm pretty sure that's 99 left. And so I'm like, well, well come on, man. That's just, that's just odds of doing business, right? That's the cost of doing business, isn't it? That's called your loss margin in, in the world, right? Anybody in business, anybody understand this? Anybody have stocks? Anybody ever um, maybe bet on something? You lose something? Whatever it is, it's the cost of doing business, but this is what I learned about sheep that's so interesting, is that sheep don't separate from the pack unless, unless somebody attacks the pack. Unless somebody comes in, a wolf or some other animal comes in and attempts to attack the pack, because the way that a wolf or an, uh, an enemy of a sheep comes in and tries to pull a sheep out is that they don't try to eat the whole pack of sheep. What they do is they try to scatter them. And when a sheep gets scattered, they run off in fear. And so what the language that Jesus uses here is not the stupid sheep that went away, the sheep that deserved to get lost and maybe stay lost. He wasn't even talking about the cost of doing business. What he was referring to is this, is that I see humanity and I understand that there is something attacking them, something coming against them, something that they don't deserve that causes them to be in fear, and my heart breaks for them. When we talk about the coin, the coin's interesting as well because the coin is an inanimate object. It doesn't have feelings, it doesn't think, it doesn't have emotions, a will. It's just there. So why does Jesus use the analogy of the lost coin? Because it shows his love for those who do not know him, that even those who hate them. One of the most powerful scriptures, I think, in the entirety of the New Testament is this. It says this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were God-haters, Christ displayed his love for us. While we hated him, he loved us first. I believe with all of my heart that the parable of the lost coin reflects God's heart in this way. It shows his devotion to really save those that maybe even are blinded. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my life that there have been times I've been like the lost coin. That I put blinders of hurt on, I put blinders of pain on, I put blinders of, of anger on. 
But yet God still came after me. But yet God still came after me. He ran after me. The love of the Father never stopped. And this is one of the most beautiful and powerful things that we can see from the parable of the lost coin. And it's this, that even when we don't care about God, God cares about us. Even when we feel far from God or we don't have anything in our heart and our mind regarding God, His love for us never diminishes. In the parable of the Son, this is probably the most personal that you can be. If you've ever been a parent or if you've ever been close to a young person or had the, the privilege of raising somebody, you understand how dear and near a son could be to you, to your heart. I've got five children, I've got one son, four girls, and I love them all more than I love myself. And in the parable of the lost son, what we see is this, is we see God, Jesus, use this beautiful analogy because it shows foremost His deepest love for mankind. And this is important for us to understand because Jesus did not mix His words here when He chose these three parables concerning his heart for humanity, his love for humanity, his love for creation, his love for the lost. But one thing that the parable of the lost son teaches us is this, is that you and I are God's prized creation. That the value that God sees for you is probably greater than the value that you see for yourself. The value that God has for you is immense. You and I are the proudest accomplishment and we reflect His deepest love. And even though we walk away from the love of God, we never stop being sons and daughters of God. Did you hear me? Because I want to be really honest with you. This particular parable confuses a lot of theologians. There's a lot of just terrible, terrible theology out there. But I want to tell you something. Nothing will ever separate you from the grip and the love of God. And the parable of the lost son teaches us this. The position that the father held while he waited for his son to come home teaches us this truth. Let's dig into these just a little bit deeper, if that's okay. All right, I want to just talk to you really quick about the parable of the sheep. And pull out just a few values that we have for that. So again, we see this. Another interesting thing is this. The denominations that Jesus chose to use. What happens is this. Is Jesus starts with the greatest number first and says, What happens if a man has a hundred sheep and loses one? What happens if a woman has ten coins and loses one? What happens if a man has two sons and loses one? There's a couple of values that we see with the parable of the lost sheep. In Luke 15, 4, it says, Jesus asks this question and he poses it in the form of a statement, of a question and not a statement. In Luke 15, 4, he says this, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. Listen to what he said. He asked a question. He asked a question to the Pharisees. He asked the question to the religious culture of the day. 
That same question needs to be asked of the church today. Everybody smile at me. That same question needs to be asked of Freedom Christian Fellowship today. If we lose one out of a hundred, do we leave the 99 behind to go after the one? See, because Jesus was bringing out a couple of things and he was provoking the hearts of those people around listening. He's provoking my heart. Hopefully he's provoking your heart. And it's all to show the value of the lost sheep. And the first thing that we have to understand is this, is that when it comes to loving people, loving people isn't easy. Loving people isn't easy. It's not easy and it's not convenient. And Jesus understands this risk as he gives this parable. He looks at a group of men who understood the culture of shepherding within their society and he says to them, do you leave the 99 behind in the open field where potentially they could be at risk to go and to find the one? And he does it because I believe he is asking a very important question and bringing it out a very important value, which is this, is that loving people isn't easy. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to be reminded of the love that Jesus loved us with when he rescued us. See, I have a Siberian Husky. I I love my Husky. She is beautiful. She's red and white with just crystal blue eyes. I I love her. I feed her from the table. She gives me kisses. It grosses out my kids. I love this dog. She is my baby girl, right? She gets up in bed with me. She snuggles with me. Makes my wife so angry. She sheds all over the house. But I love this dog. I love this dog. But my Siberian Husky, Coda, has a problem. A bad, bad, bad problem. She runs. When she gets out, if she gets out of the house, she runs. And she runs. And she runs. I almost said a bad word. <laughs> and when Coda gets out of the house, we start chasing after her. And I, and I absolutely, the only time I get angry with this dog is when I got to get my, my overweight bottom up to go chase this dog. <laughs> Some of you have bed with me. While many of you actually, we could have a support group of those of you who have chased Coda with me, all right? (laughs) And you understand the trauma that that dog has caused. But you know what? Here's the thing is that I don't stop chasing her until I find her. I don't just go around the block a few times, and if I can't see her, I go back in the house. No, I get all my kids out, and we start a search party. We get her treats out. We get in the car, and one person drives around in the car, and we, we spend and do whatever it takes to find her as she runs around the neighborhood. And we don't stop until we find her. And Jesus makes the same analogy with this sheep. See, he's not just putting in a good try. What he's doing is he's going after somebody until he finds her. Now, that's good news on two fronts, and it also wakes us up. Because if you maybe are here today and you're far from God, listen, I want to tell you something. No matter what your heart is telling you right now, he will not stop chasing you down. And I thank Jesus that he did not stop chasing me down. 
But also the other thing is this, is he asks us to do it too. And when it comes to this, there are people that God has put in your life and he didn't make a mistake. And he's asking you to relentlessly pursue them in prayer, in love, in action, not in opinion, not in in truth. Listen, can I, can I say something to you this morning with, with just a tremendous amount of grace? Is that people that are far from God don't want to hear truth before they hear love. We have to rely upon the grace of Jesus. The value of the second value that we see from the lost sheep is this. Is that it causes us to think about what we value. It causes us to think about what we value. I said before, sometimes our mindset becomes this. Maybe the loss of one sheep isn't a problem. Maybe it's the cost of doing business. But Jesus did not see it this way. He did not look at the natural understanding and the natural value of what commonly we think about when it comes to this. The third thing is this, is that Jesus doesn't play the odds. He doesn't play the odds. He did it with you and he did it with me. He doesn't play the odds. He doesn't look at one as a risk he's willing to take. He doesn't think that it's, it's worth it to let one get away, but instead he sees each one of us as precious and important. Listen to what Luke 15, 5-7 says. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Listen to what Jesus said. It's extremely powerful because, listen, it's about what we value. It's about what we're willing to do in the grace of Jesus, what we value, and understanding that everything matters to Jesus. He's not playing the odds. I love this illustration of this shepherd. Because it doesn't reflect my heart when I have to chase my dog. When I get a hold of Coda and I put a leash on her down the street, I'm dragging her butt down the street. I'm going, you dumb dog, you dumb dog. Stupid, why'd you run away? Don't you ever run away from me again. But listen to the, 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 listen to the scripture, what the, 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 the Bible says the shepherd does is he doesn't drag the sheep back by, its, by the, 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 the scruff on its neck, doesn't, sheep, I'm going to shear you down, you're going to be butt naked the rest of your life, you're going to be cold out in the, nope, he lifts that sheep up tenderly upon his shoulders, and the scripture says he joyfully, he joyfully, why, why? Because of value. 
because of value. Because of value. You see, there's something so important about this parable that we have to see that we can't lose sight of because none of you are shepherds here today. None of you maybe even have a value for a sheep. You don't see a value for a sheep. But here's what you got to understand is that Jesus never looked at as it being okay to have 99. That was never an option. The only option that was okay was 100. And here's why. It's because he understood that, listen, it's not easy to be a shepherd. It's not easy to tend after a hundred. But it's what is in his care. It's what the father asked of him to do. And he understood the value that each sheep had to the father. And he knew that he couldn't play the odds. That it wasn't okay that the cost of business maybe took one out. But he went after each and every one of them. And when he found that lost sheep, when he found that lost sheep, He put it joyfully on his shoulders and carried it home. And I hope that speaks something powerful to you about the depth that the love of the love of the Father, the depth that the of the love of how God loves you and how much he cares for you and how willing he is to go to the farthest places to find you and to rescue you and to heal you. Let's talk about the lost coin. In Luke 15, 8, it says this. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully for it until she finds it? What's the value of the lost coin? This is something that's really important that I want every one of you to hear. It's because Jesus made a decision when he chose to talk about these three parables of lost things. And he threw in an inanimate object into the equation. And I believe this is what the significance of the lost coin is. See, that coin didn't understand its value. You could pull out your wallet right now and maybe you have I don't know, a few dollars in there. I think I have like $3 in my wallet. Maybe you have a couple of 20s. Hey, maybe you're high rolling and you got a couple bennies in there. I don't know. Does anybody know what a benny is, a Benjamin, right? If you do, come talk to me afterwards. Let's talk, all right? (laughs) But I want to tell you, all, all that is is paper. Listen, and I want you to hear this because this parable only makes sense if we begin to open our eyes and see and understand the way Jesus did. All money is paper. All money is just paper until you place a value on it. Until somebody at a store places a value on an item that you recognize that you want and you hold a value for a certain amount of money so that you can get what you want. Whether it's a house, a car, a boat, whatever it is, a piece of clothing, a Snickers bar, I don't care what it is. Your money in and of itself does not hold value in its own self. It only holds value in the purpose that you have for it. And one of the greatest things that Jesus brings out in this particular parable is this. And he understands that man, somewhere along the way, when they made a decision to disobey God, and they lost track of the understanding of the love of God, they separated themselves from their value. 
And the parable of the lost coin teaches us this, that God will go to the furthest extent, not just to rescue you, but He wants to restore value to you. And if your heart has ever been destroyed because your value has been destroyed, because you walked through something painful, because something crushed you or somebody crushed you, I want to tell you this. There's a very powerful truth that we see from this parable, and it's this, is that Jesus is relentlessly pursuing you to restore value back to your life. Every person, no matter how far they are from God, has value to them. Let me speak to just the church for just a second. Because God asks us to change our perspective. He asks us to look at people a little differently, to see the world a little different. In Luke 15, 9 and 10, Jesus says this, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. God asks us to see His value in every person around us. He asks us to look at people through the lens of His value. We're not allowed to measure people based on what we agree about. We can't measure people based on what we agree about. We're not allowed to measure people even by through the value of what we share in common. See, a lot of times this, let me go back to the first statement I made, all right? I was going to let it fly, but I'm not going to let it fly. Okay? We can't value people based upon what we agree about. One of the most dangerous things that the church has gotten into, a slippery slope the church has fallen into, that is destroying this value, this system, and this understanding of the love of God that He desires to restore back value to people, is this, is that we created our own measuring lines, and we begin to value people according to those instead of the value that God has for people. We've allowed political lines to divide us, We've allowed belief systems to divide us. And I just want to say this, that those of you who are in the church, and I'm not speaking to everybody today, but I am speaking to Freedom Christian Fellowship, and I'm telling you the direction that this ship is heading as long as I'm at the helm of it, as God has me at the helm of it, is this is that there won't be a political line, that there won't be a belief line, there will never be a line except for the love of God that causes us to see people the way and through the value that He sees them. Right. 
What's interesting about these three parables is this, is that Jesus didn't stop the lamb and say, hey, what do you believe? Who did you vote for? Oh, I'm sorry. And look at the coin and say, oh, that, that coin is, is funding a particular party. Why am I saying this? Man, come on, we'll go off script for a second. Why am I saying this? Because it simply breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart when we refuse to love the way that Jesus loved. And we allow things that don't matter to get in the way of searching and saving what Jesus came to search and to save. It's time to put some things down. We're not allowed to measure people based off of the, what we feel like they deserve. Oh, man. Man. I had a conversation years and years ago I'm just, we got a little bit of time. I'm going to go off script. All right. You guys all right with that? Good. I didn't even let you answer. It's going to happen. My mom and dad passed away. My dad left a will to me. My, I have an older brother. I had an older brother and I, an older sister. And he left his insurance money split between us. And my sister was the executor of the will. When it came time to split up the money, my sister came to me and said, I'm not going to give my son, my brother, his side of the money. Because my brother was using drugs. My brother was going through a hard time. And I looked at my sister dead in the eye and it caused a rift between us that the Lord had to heal. But I said this, listen. Everything that God has, that everything that my brother, he's going to receive. Everything that dad intended to leave for Matt, no matter what he chooses to do with it, if he decides to put it in his vein or snort it up his nose or smoke it, I don't care. Some of you are looking at me and saying, that's not wise, that's foolish. But can I tell you something that is just deeply, deeply imprinted upon the heart of God? And if we don't see it here, and we don't see it here, we for sure see it here. Is that God never measures us on the value of what we deserve? While I hated Jesus, He extended His love for me. While I cursed Him, He extended His love for me. While I looked at him and I rejected him, he extended his love to me. He did not give me what I deserved. I deserved hell. He gave me life. And I just want to say something to every one of you. Praise Jesus no matter if you've been sitting in a church your whole life or, or this is your first day here. That Thank Jesus that he does not give you what you deserve and he does not see you based upon how you act. He sees you through the lens of his love. 
All right. Let's go into the lost son. All right. You guys all right? You guys are like, man, pastor lost it. You're right. Luke 15, 11, 13. This is the final one, and this is the most personal one. This is, we've gone from 100 minus 1, 10 minus 1. Now we're down to 2 minus 1. And, and this is the one that strikes a chord. If the sheep didn't get you, if the coin didn't get you, then for sure the parable of the lost son will get you. It will imprint you. In Luke 15, 11, 13, it says this. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth and wild living. Mm-mm-mm. Man, what is Jesus teaching us? What are the values that we see from the parable of the lost son? The first thing that we have to see and that we have to acknowledge is that the way that God looks at humanity It's through the lens of a father to a child. And if anything, if anything at all, is that maybe you grew up in a church, maybe you heard that God was a judge. He will judge. But I want to tell you something. He sees you as a a son or a daughter. No matter where you are, He sees you as a son or a daughter. It's a beautiful reminder, again, of the depth of the love that God has for mankind. We are precious to Him. We are His prized possession. We are the center of His eye, the apple of His eye. And He provided this truth. He he proved this truth by giving the very best of Himself. See, because the parable of the lost son is a picture within a picture, if you would. The dividing of the estate is the same as the reflection of God giving himself in Jesus Christ for you and I. And we see this beautiful picture. And it's a beautiful reminder of this depth. The second value that we see is this. Is that God waits. God waits. His grace and his patience is long-suffering for the lost. One of the most beautiful things that we see in this parable is this, is that that God's love toward us is not dependent upon our behavior toward Him. In Luke 15, 17 through 20, I know that shakes some, some, some trees here. When I make a statement like that, that God's love toward us is not dependent upon our behavior toward Him. Some of you look at me and say, well, what about obedience and this is what I want to tell you is this obedience is for you and my for our benefit it's for our benefit but God's love does not change based upon our behavior God's love for you and I does not shift it doesn't move it is consistent and if this parable teaches us anything it teaches us this See, the son came to the understanding of what his decisions had brought upon him, his disobedience. In Luke 15, 17 through 20, it says this, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He spent all of his money. He was eating with pigs. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. His perspective shifted because of his disobedience. But the love of the father never shifted. How do we know that? Because here's what we see in Luke 15, 20. It says this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The perspective of the father never shifted. That son that went away, or what we commonly call the prodigal son, the lost son, never ceased to be anything but a son to the father. As a matter of fact, we see a little bit of proportion in this, in this particular parable. We see that the son has gone away. He's gone away from the, the, the care in the, in the estate of the father. He's living in faraway lands. He's experiencing different things. And now he's in a deplorable condition, but he is away. But we look and we see the position of the father, and the position of the father is consistent. Where is the father? He is sitting and he is waiting for the son to return. And the Bible tells us this, and it's so amazing, is this, is that you could just imagine the father getting up in the morning, having his coffee, and going to the edge of where his fence line was, and looking off into the distance, and believing that his son was going to come home one day. And the Bible tells us this, while he was still far away off, it's like the constraints of his, of his fence line couldn't hold him anymore, and the love of the father ran out, and this is what's amazing, because the son expected to come in as a slave, but the father said, you never stop being a son. Man. And all I can tell you today is that if you're far from God, or you know somebody who is, God's not mad at them. He's not mad at them. Can I tell you, can I tell you just a beautiful part of the gospel story, just an amazing thing? Is that any wrath and any anger that God held toward your sin, it was fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. Justin, you come on up, man. That God isn't mad at you. He's not mad at the things that maybe you feel like you failed in. He's not mad at the shame and the condemnation of your life. He's not mad at it. As a matter of fact, you've never ceased to be anything other than a son or a daughter to him. But there's a second part of this story that's so important that we have to hear. That, that as the church, we have to wake up to. It's beautiful and it's strong. And it's potent. And I know that I've been in this position where my perspective has been off. But it's time to put down our weapons and time to put on the love of God. In Luke 15, 28-32, here we see the other side of the, the story with the other brother. The brother who didn't leave. The brother who thought he was doing all the good. In 28 it says this, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. The father saw the son and told his servants to, to kill the fattened calf and 
to put, he put a robe around him and a ring on his finger. And he said, the son that I thought was gone forever has come back. He's alive. My son has returned. And the older brother saw this and he didn't take this well. He became angry and he refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, Jesus spoke this to the religious, again, the religious culture that existed within his day. These particular people called Pharisees and the teachers of the law whose hearts were hardened. And they thought in particular lines about how to approach God and they couldn't even recognize the, who Jesus was. But it's easy for that same thing to creep into our hearts, isn't it? It's easy for us to get frustrated, to get preoccupied with the busyness of the things that we think are important. And there's just a few things that stand out to me about this other brother's perspective. And it's this, is that he got lost doing the wrong things. And I'd offer this up to you this morning and say this to you in just a tremendous amount of gentleness. Because there's a lot of things that we could do for God. But if you're not careful, they're just going to become things that you do for God. And not things that God asks you to do for Him. And certainly not things that bring life to you. But one thing that's for certain that this particular parable of the lost son teaches us is what keeps our hearts fresh, what keeps our journey with Jesus exciting, is that when we celebrate and get excited and pursue those things that matter to Him, when we go after the things that are lost, those people who are far from God, those people who maybe are broken and hurting, those people who are, are distant and far, and we begin to love them relentlessly, no matter how messy it is or inconvenient, that we choose to value them the way that God does. That we don't get calloused and cold and understand or think it's a sign of the times. And we don't let the wrong things create bad value that we see in people. And I want to tell you this, listen, no matter where you are today, if you've been sitting in the church forever, Every one of us has to have a fresh, a fresh interaction with the love of God today and every day in order for this truth to be alive inside of us. Is that we have to be reminded of how much Jesus loves us and what he rescued us from. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Is that his arms are always open. Come home, come home, come home. His arms are always open.
Church, open your arms. Open your arms. Be a reflection of his love. You know, God's big enough to figure out the differences that we have. He never asked you to do it. God never asked you to create a line. God never asked you to defend him. He never asked you to defend him. All he asked you to do is to be a reflection of the love that saved you and set you free so other people can know the love that he has for them. Can I pray for you this morning? You just bow your heads with me. Jesus, this morning we we just all receive. Well, we just all receive that truth that you're inviting us to come home. That you are the Father who loves us, who holds his arms open for us. Oh God, I pray for every person here, God, that no matter where they are, Father, for those who are far from you, Lord, for those who are broken, Lord, for those who are hurting, God, for those who don't understand, Lord, for those whose worth maybe feels shattered, Lord, for those whose hearts maybe have grown cold, Jesus, we're all coming in the same way. And we're asking you to overwhelm us with your love right now. To do the necessary business in our hearts. To set us free, to heal us. To bring salvation to us. To bring peace to us. To renew our understanding, to renew our perspective. Jesus, we invite you to do that. We want to love what you love, Jesus. We want to hear your heart. And we want to see people the same way that you do. Jesus, we want to carry on what you came to do to seek and to save those who are lost. So give us your heart and give us your grace. Fill our hearts with that understanding. Don't let us walk by people and see them the same way that we've always seen them. God, I know that I need to, and I ask, Lord, everybody else here who needs to lay down some things, maybe some lines that they created that have interfered with the way we love people. Lord, I lay those down. And I say, Jesus, just fill my heart with your love. And give me your value, Lord, for the people around me, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to invite you this morning. In just a second, we're going to have some teams of people up here that would love to pray with you if you have anything that you are going through. You know, or maybe this. If you're comfortable and you know the person to the right or the left of you, just lean over and say, hey. Is there anything I can pray with you for? And if you can't do that, if you can't do that, just lean over and say, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. 
All right. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. I want to challenge you to do a couple of things as we leave this place. If you're far from God this morning, I want you to come and talk to me. Because I want to do two things. I want to love you and I want to hug you and I want to pray for you. And that doesn't mean that you never accepted Jesus into your life. If you haven't, I would love to pray for you. But even if you have and you feel far from God, I want to pray for you. But for every one of us, I want us to think and ask God and say, God, show me the people around me in my life that maybe I haven't seen before or I've looked at the wrong way that you're asking me to begin to pray for, to begin to love and begin to reach out to. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Can I get a couple of ministry teams to come up, please? I want you guys to know, every person here, that you are, that I love you. I do. So much. I even love Ronnie. I really love Ronnie. He's one of my favorites. I eat breakfast with Ronnie every week. And Charlotte, he doesn't eat good healthy when you're not around him. Shameful. I say, Ronnie, get the oatmeal, but he's like, no, double down on the bacon. I'm like, whatever, Ronnie. (laughs) But I love you, and I'm thankful for you, and you're important, and you're valuable. You're not just valuable to Jesus, but you're valuable to us. We bless you. Father, I just declare your grace and your love over every person. That they understand the fullness of your love, I pray. Let it chase them and follow them down all the days of their life. Amen. 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 If you need prayer, come forward. If not, we love you. Have a great day.